welcome back to Be The Vibe Radio with your hostess, Chrysalis Sun. And I am so ready to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and that is the topic of initiation. So i kind of been quiet on the subject. Um, I hadn't really been saying a whole lot about initiation, even though I kind of wanted to talk about it. But what lit the fire under my butt uh, to get me to record this episode was an IG video that I posted earlier this week. Um, So I think on Monday or Tuesday um, before work, I posted this quick little video just talking about initiation, like my thoughts on it, as well as my concerns about it. So Basically, what I said was that, you know, there is this huge wave of Black folks, African-Americans, that are leaving traditional Christian practices or the Abrahamic faiths and, like, just rushing towards the ATRs or what we call the African traditional religions, you know. And I get it. You know, a lot of us are awakening and we're wanting to connect with our ancestors, connect with our practices, you know, our original, our roots, you know, original practices, our indigenous practices. Um, however, what's occurring um, is uh, just a lot of a lot of things that are occurring that are a concern for me um, as a result of like this is this mass, you know, uh, uh interest or trend, I guess I should say, um, when it comes to the ATRs. So um, I'm going to talk about that, my concerns, and as well as just give some, you know, very uh, candid and transparent and open um, advice uh, in regards to initiation. So that is what I'll be getting into today. As I mentioned uh, previously in previous part, I am an Aberisha um, in the Lukumi tradition. My Ile is based out of Las Vegas. I have received Alekes as well as I've received Arisha. So I am a custodian of Arisha. So that is my background in regards to this topic. Um, and because I have un- undergone ceremony and experienced it, I've worked the ceremonies um, and initiations. Um, you know, I, you know, that it, it makes me even more adamant about wanting to talk about this, you know, um, about this topic, you know, and, and to put some things out there to you all in regards to initiation. Furthermore, for those of us who practice in ATR, we are under the firm belief that unless you have undergone initiation or ceremony, you have absolutely no business speaking on the subject. So I I provide my background in order to lay the foundation and to just establish that I do have the experience and the license to speak on this topic. Now, the formal um, title of this episode is that nobody can give you what you already have. Likewise, no one can give you what they do not have. So that is the premise. That is the the, the official title of this episode. Um, and I'm going to get into that. I'm definitely going to get into that part of the, the episode. But what I want to start with is I want to start with the definition of initiation. Now, the textbook definition is initiation is the act of action of admitting someone into a secret or obscure society or group, typically with a ritual. 
Now, this is the Webster's Dictionary uh, definition of initiation, and it definitely has its place in the ATR. You know, um, you know, when you go into initiation for the ATR, it definitely is a formal induction into that society. Um, it definitely is steeped and rooted in ritual rituals that have been passed down um, for generations, for thousands of years, um, oral traditions, typically because African traditions are oral tradition um, based. So, you know, it's not something that you can read up on Google or read up in a book. I mean, you can, but it's it's not going to give you, <laughs> uh, Google and books are not going to give you hardly any information as to what the ritual and, and the ceremonies are really about, okay? Um, now, you know, of course, that is the, the textbook definition of initiation. Um, but in regards to, like, your individual aspect of initiation, the purpose is, um, you know, it's a ceremony that formally seats your specific spirits on you, you know, it's formally uh, introduces you to these spirits and formally seats these spirits on your head. And so this is where I get back into the, the, the premise that nobody can give you what you already have, because, you know, there's this misconception that when you go for initiation, you are being given spirits, you're paying for spirits, you know, you're you know, priest or priestess or godmother, godfather, padrina, madri- padrino, madrina, you know, whatever the title is, you, you, that they're giving you these spirits. No, they're not. You know, these these are spirits that have been walking with you since the time you were born. And so when you go for initiation, you know, you it's to formally introduce you to and connect you with and align you with these spirits that you already have. Now, why would anyone initiate? Like, why would you want to initiate? What's the purpose? Okay. And there's several reasons why, you know, you need to initiate or why someone would want to initiate. Uh, The first thing is just formal training. You know, like I said, you know, these ATRs, they they are oral traditions that are passed down, you know, from, you know, from elder, you know, to, 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 to godchild. And so, you know, these are not traditions that you can, take webinars or, you know, read in books, like you have to sit with an elder and learn, you know, and the only way that you're going to do that is if, you know, you're initiated because real talk, elders don't, they don't, they, they only give you the amount of in- attention and energy based off of your dedication. And there is no stronger dedication than getting initiated. So a lot of elders will will only, they will either will not deal with you or they will only deal with you so much if you were not initiated. So you know, that initiation gives you um, access to that training from that elder. Um, Another reason for initiation is that it it aligns and integrates the spirits in your frame. Like I mentioned previously, these spirits, you know, they received you at birth, you know, so you you came in with contracts and agreements with these spirits that, you know, once we come into this realm, we forget. So, you know, we forget, but they don't. (laughs) So when we initiate, um, you know, we are realigning and reintroducing ourselves with these spirits and it um, and, and we're able to integrate, you know, integrate the energy of these spirits, you know, within our frame. 
Another reason for initiation uh, and, and a really important one is protection. You know, it gives you the protection and the tutelage of a spiritual house. You know, so when you are inducted into that secret society or that Ile, um, you are under the protection of your godparent, of your god siblings, and of the spirits of that house, which is really, really important for those of us who are on our spiritual journey because a lot of us, you know, are just out there. You know, we are, and, and myself included, and that's part of my own journey. You know, I was doing a lot of healing work and spiritual work before I, you know, started, um, you know, practicing and, be, and before I became initiated. And I was very vulnerable because I was not protected. You know, I, I was not formally protected um, with a, a house. So, you know, um, that is, to me, one of the most important aspects of initiation, you know, is that protection. Um, another reason for initiation is that it gives you license and legitimacy. Now, these ATRs are communal. They are community-based. So, you know, yes, we have our individual practices, you know, our shrines at home, you know, things that we do on our own. But when we do when we come together for, when we do anything important as far as like initiation ceremonies, drummings, um, you know, anything that has to do with the spirits um, on, a, on a bigger scale, we come together as a community. It's a whole, whole ass operation. You know, for those of you who witnessed ceremony or been a part of it, everybody has a role. Everybody comes together. So when you receive ceremony, you receive initiation, All everyone comes together and they witness it. And that witnessing gives you legitimacy. Um, you know, you have people who are able to say, I saw this person get initiated. Um, I can vouch for this person. This person is a part of this Elay. They're, they are, you know, so-and-so's godchild. They have this in this title. Um, as well as license. Cause like I said, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, this episode is that um, you know, you unless you've gone through it, you ain't got no business speaking on it, you ain't got no business you know, doing certain rituals, doing certain practices, you know, so that initiation gives you that license. Um, and lastly, if initiation prepares you for priesthood. Okay. And the thing about priesthood is, you know, is that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, getting initiated as priests and priestesses, but it, it even with the amount of people who are going through that process, not everybody's meant to. But for those who are meant to, initiation provides that avenue. Again, it gives that license and that legitimacy in the preparation for priesthood. Now, there are a lot of other reasons why people initiate. You know, some people initiate for health reasons. Either they have some type of terminal illness or serious illness that only initiation will rectify. Some people, you know, it comes down in a reading or, or in spirit comes down and says that they have to initiate. Some people initiate because of, you know, for protection, for, you know, to save their life, literally. You know, their life is in danger, death is following them, or they have some type of hex or curse or generational um, curse that only initiation will um, get rid of. Um, some people, such as myself, you know, initiate because they have no choice. You know, uh, their spirits or their ancestors have mandated that they must initiate um, and that if they don't, you know, their life will continue to decline. You know, their quality of life will get worse. And then there's some people who will initiate for selfish reasons, whether it's for money or wealth, in order to improve their business, for popularity, for titles. Um, 
But, you know, just keep in mind that regardless of the reason why you initiate um, and regardless of how it comes through that you have that you need to initiate. At the end of the day, we have free choice. Some are presented with the option to initiate and they just choose not to. And that is okay. You know, um, just because spirit comes down or ancestors come, or there's a reading that says that we need to do something at the end of the day, it's our choice to decide whether or not we move forward with that or not. Now we don't have to do anything. Now keep in mind though, that if you choose not to, and you, but, but you know, it comes through that you need to, then it's up to you to accept whatever consequences that come with that. You know, like I said, for for example, myself, you know, I I had no choice as 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 far as like according to my ancestors, and I actually put off initiating for a year and a half, almost two years before I decided to 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 go through with it. And the only reason why I did was because like my life was completely falling apart. But at the end of the day, I could have still chose not to initiate. Now, remember that the, the the premise of this whole episode is that nobody can give you what you already have, okay? And when I mean by that in terms of initiation into an ATR, that means that nobody can give you ancestors, nobody can give you Orishas, nobody can give you Lua, nobody can give you spirit guides, nobody can give you Ori, etc. Like, nobody can give you what you already have because these spirits already walk with you. So the reason why I'm adamant about this is because there have been a few posts from some other very well-known, you know, Instagram brujas that are supposedly initiated in some traditions. And, you know, what concerned me was that one of them was speaking about how she can't or won't give you Lua, but that when she initiates you, she would give you your ancestors or seat your ancestors or elevate your ancestors. It's some nonsense, okay? And, you know, it, it what concerned me about that post was that the amount of people that were going for that, you know, like, to me, it just was very sad and indicative of just like how disconnected we are to our traditions and these practices, or and even just honestly common sense, because, that's like somebody saying that they're going to give you your mother. Like your mother already birthed you. Like sure, you already have your mother. Like why would why would you accept somebody coming to you and saying, I'm going to give you your mother. I'm going to give you your grandmother. I'm going to give you your uncles. Like these are your people. These are your ancestors, you know? So, you know, that's, that's one example of, you know, why I kind of really adamantly wanted to talk about this subject. Another one was some, another priestess on you know, so it's always social media, you know, it's always these social media priestesses, but they were talking to, she was talking about how, you know, you can't pay for spirits, you know, like I earn my spirits and my spirits were with me, but, but this person was coming to me, she was trying to pay for spirits. And I'm like, clearly you don't even know what you're talking about. And that clearly that you are, you've got some type of miss cognitive dissonance with this process for you to even sit there and think that because you're in you're facilitating ceremony that people are coming to you so you can give them their spirits it don't work like that it does not work like that and even as I sit in my chair recording this I'm getting hyped because I'm just like the audacity for any priest or priestess to come to you and say that they're giving you a spirit already is a concern that already is a red flag. 
You know what I'm saying? And so here's my personal story. When I went to my Padrino and agreed to receive a leg gaze and have my first ceremony in uh, um, Lukumi, um, I was already dreaming about Arisha. I was already dreaming about Shango. I was already dreaming, dreaming about Legwa. Um, Yimeya was already showing up. Olokun was already showing up. Obatala was already showing up in dreams. That's the reason why I started on this journey because I wasn't versed in these traditions, but these spirits were already showing up and I needed more clarity and understanding. So when I went to my Padrino and I finally agreed to receive my Lekes, all he did was he aligned me with these spirits that were already showing up in dreams. For my recent ceremonies that I had, certain spirits were named. And when these spirits were named and, and seated on me, it wasn't a surprise because I'm like, these spirits were already familiar to me. I had already been walking with these spirits and commuting with these spirits before I even knew who they were. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how the, that's the way it is, you know? So again, you know, nobody can give you these spirits. Um, they're already with, with you. Um, the priest or priestess that is reciting over your ceremony they aren't giving you the spirits. They are seeding and aligning you with what you already came with. And I just really want to just take my time at that and to, and to really, really let you guys know. And, and I pause and I say it with all this drama and dramatics and emphasis because I really want you guys to understand that. More so because I want you guys, if you do, if any of you listening to this podcast decide to initiate or go through any of these, these practices, I want you to go in empowered. You know, I want you to go in and, and know that these spirits are already with you. You already have access, you know? And so, and a lot of times, a lot of us are already initiated in the spiritual realm. We're just in the physical realm waiting to catch up. And that's a whole other thing. Like a lot of the, all four of my ceremonies that I had this year, I had already dreamt about before I had those ceremonies. I had already been initiated. I had already been recognized in the spiritual realm by these spirits, but me initiating was the physical connection because, you know, we can't only rely in, in the spiritual realm and we can't only rely in the, in the physical realm. We have to combine the two. So even though it was already familiar with me to me in the, in the dreaming state and the subconscious state, my physical self still needed to connect. And that's what the purpose of initiation is. On the flip side, no one can give you what they don't have, okay? So it's like the example of borrowing money, right? So if you go to someone and you you, know, you ask to borrow money, they're only going to give you the amount of money that they have if they're even willing to let you borrow it to begin with. So if you go in and you ask your cousin for $400 and they only have $100, they're not going to give you 400 because they only have the 100 and so these practices work the same way. Nobody can give you what they don't have license to give. All right. So, for example, you know, in the Lukumi tradition, and I don't want to get, you know, I'm not going to get too many details because, you know, it, it is, you know, a lot of the, the specifics of our practice are for initiates. But 
in the Lukumi practice, um, if a godchild is to receive an Orisha and they're receiving that Orisha from their godparent, their godparent can't give you that, or can't give them that Orisha unless they have that Orisha as well. So, for example, if I need to receive Shango and my Padrino doesn't have Shango, he can't give me Shango. And this is for like across the board in, in, in ATRs. None of the priests and priestesses can give their godchildren what they don't have because the whole premise and the, rep, the sim, symbol of initiation is giving birth. So nobody, no priest or priestess in these traditions can give birth to what they don't have. Okay. So, um, this applies to initiation as far as even facilitating. If someone isn't initiated at the proper level, they cannot initiate others. So that's why in certain situations, if you need a certain type of initiation and your godparent can't, that they're not, they don't have the uh, title or the, the the license to do that, they'll take you to someone who can, who has that title and that license. Um, if someone doesn't have a connection to the lineage itself, they can't initiate you. For example, uh, a priestess of Ifa can't initiate someone into Vudun because they're not a, they're not a mambo, <laughs> you know? And that's like, it's, it's, it's like going to a doctor and seeing a specialist. If you, if you have going, if you go to your doctor and you're having something going on with your foot, you know, but your doctor specializes in, 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 in spine, he's not going to wor work on you on your foot. He's going to send you to someone who specializes in orthopedics. These practices work the same way. And the reason why this is important is because of the cross hairs, the cross wires I see in these practices, you know, so from the outside looking in, you've got spirits that seem the same. You know, you've got, um, you've got, uh, Lasarin, um, in Vudun, who is a water spirit, an ocean spirit. Then you've got Yemeya, you know, in Lukumi or, or Orisha, who is also a water deity. And because there's a lot of similarities in their colors and just who they are. And, you know, you got people wanting to, to, to cross, uh, to, you know, <laughs> you want to give people wanting to give voodoo offerings to Yemeya and, and say that it's the same. It doesn't work like that. I need everyone to understand that these are separate practices, but the, the, there's the issue is, is the, the secretism that occurs because, you know, we are in the diaspora and we are a mixture of different cultures. And a lot of us are, are initiated in multiple practices. So, but for those of us who are initiated in those different practices, you know, if we have, responsible godparents, our, our responsible godparents are going to tell us to keep it separate. That's one of the first things my Padrino told me when I got my reading before I received my legacy. You know, he said, keep your traditions, but keep your traditions separate. So if I'm giving offerings to, 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 in one tradition on one day. So for example, if I'm giving, um, my offerings to my warriors or on, on a Monday, I'm not going to also give those same offerings to Papa Legba. And I'm just using that as an example, you know, not to say that's what I do, but I'm just saying that's an, that's an example. So 
someone who is initiated in one tradition, they can't speak on or prescribe or give license or give ceremonies or give initiations in another tradition. It doesn't work like that. Now, I know for those of us that are new or we don't really know much, you know, we don't know, we're not going to know what to ask for. We're not going to know what to look for because we're new on this journey, you know. So, of course, we're not going to be able to just pinpoint certain red flags right away when it comes to working with elders. But that's the reason why it's important to ask questions, validate these people, check their lineage, check their credentials, check their community. You know, one thing, like I said, these ATRs are community-based. So if you're dealing with an elder and they work solo, they don't have anybody else that they work with, no elders to vouch for them, no godchildren, no other god siblings, that's a red flag, you know, because you can't do anything in these practices without others. Like you can't, this, these are not solo practices, first of all, you know, so, you know, check their lineage, you know, check their, their, their credentials, check to see that they are who they say they are, that they have what they say they have. You know, when you check their community, see what the rest of the members are like. Are they thriving? Um, you know, that's, that's specifically true in, uh, in, in pretty much all the ATR lineages, but specifically in Voodoo and in uh, Lukumi, is that you know a, a sign of a of a pro, of a good house is one that has that that's a big house, it's, that's a prosperous house, you know, where you have a lot of members that are active and you know a lot of people who are in in positions of leadership. You know, a lot of people who are, you know, uh, priests or priestesses, like, or ordained in a tradition, and they're all working together, you know. But when you go and you do ceremonies, and there's not a lot of people, and there's a few people, you know, helping, or, you know, you have a, a priest or priestess that's doing things pretty much all by themselves, that's, that's a sign. That's a red flag, you know. So, so ask the questions, you know, validate, validate these people, you know, um, you know, check their community, check their background, because let me tell you, these spiritual communities are small. So if you have someone who who is uh, branded or ex, you know, I want to say excommunicated, but who is blackballed in these com- in our communities, you'll know <laughs> a few questions, a, uh, you know, a, 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 a few uh, inquiries in a in a spiritual group, and you'll be told whether this person is legitimate, if they have a good reputation, um, what what their their background is, you will definitely be informed of that very quickly if you just ask the questions. Now, something else I want to address when it comes to initiation is the topic of money and the cost of initiation and paying for initiation. And this is also a part of my experience because I've had, you know, one experience where, you know, my Padrino was wonderful and he is dedicated. Like if something needs to happen, if initiation needs to happen or a ceremony, he'll make it happen and he'll work with you, you know, regardless of your financial situation. And then I've had another elder that I worked with who wouldn't give you anything, no type of help, assistance, nothing unless you, you know, came out of, of pocket, you know, with your money. And that's actually an elder that ended up, um, that owes me money. I didn't go through with the ceremony and initiation and, you know, I never got that money back, you know? So, you know, there's, there's some things that, that, that I've, you know, I've, I've had both sides of the, of the equation, both sides of the experience when it comes to that. Um, but what I will say is this now, most legitimate and, uh, 
priests and priestesses in these traditions actually have full-time jobs, meaning that they are not, they're not only soul, like their only source of income is not spiritual work. And the reason why this is important to note is that what I've learned in these practices is that it's very rare. Like, okay, first of all, when, when someone becomes a priest or priestess, their spirits actually are the ones that mandate how they make their living, right? And most spirits will dictate a certain type of job to have in addition to, you know, the spiritual work that, that the priest or priestess is, is performing. It's very rare that the spirits will mandate that a priest or priestess learn earn their living solely through spiritual work. That is rare. So most legitimate priests and priestesses have full-time jobs. You know, my padrino is one of them. You know, I know a few other ones, quite a few other ones that work full-time and then this is what they do as part of their service. And so the reason why, another reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up and I'm emphasizing this is because, you know, ATRs are very specific about the having a, a right livelihood. You know, a big part of the ethics and morals of practicing an African traditional religion is that you earn your livelihood in a way that's respectable. So with that being said, when you are presented with a cost for a ceremony, the, the cost should reflect that mindset. And so this is what my my experience has been with paying for ceremony. What I have seen is that when I have paid for ceremony, that money has gone to towards food, towards the offerings, towards the materials, fabrics. Um, it's gone towards um, animals that are needed for the ceremony. Um, and after all of that is taken care of, um, it, then whatever's left may or may not go towards the people who actually work the ceremony. So when you're being presented with a cost for a ceremony, you, your, you know, your your godparent should also be presenting you with a list of what that that cost is for, what that money is going towards. And so, for example, I've seen it to where, you know, I paid for a ceremony and it's all the money that's gone to, towards the cost and the, and the materials of the ceremony. And the my padrino has gotten none of that money in his pocket. And I've seen situations where, you know, out of a $1,500 ceremony, he might have only got like $100 out of that by the time everything was paid for. So my point is that ceremony, the cost of ceremony is for the cost of the ceremony. It's not to line your, your, <laughs> your godparents pocket, you know, and whatever money that they do receive from that really goes towards the spirit or wherever, whatever spirits that they were working or, or who have, you know, that's on them that helped to facilitate or guided them through that. So really the, the cost of ceremonies for the spirits, and the materials, not so much for the people who work the ceremony, unless you're getting crowned and that's a whole other conversation, right? So my point is that whenever you receive a cost for ceremony, it should be reasonable. It should be at least some type of list or some type of, you know, you're, you're, even if it's not like a formal uh, written down list, your godparents should at least be able to run down and tell you what they're buying with that cost. And if you get all of that information and it feels good, then just pay the cost for the ceremony. That's something else, you know, that I want 
people to understand is that you don't want to cut corners or try to negotiate a bargain when it comes to your ceremony, because that's a, that's a disrespect to your godparent and the, and your Ile and the people that are working the ceremony. And it's a disrespect to the spirits really at the end of the day, you know, because, you know, unless you've actually been in a ceremony receiving and working, you don't have any idea all that goes on to put, even put that ceremony on. For me, I know my most recent ceremony, I saw the people who worked it, they, they drove in an hour from doing a whole different ceremony with somebody else, drove in and immediately went to preparing for, for my ceremony. Other people came in, they got off work and came right from work to help with, 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 with my ceremony. My ceremony lasted in from like 10 o'clock at night until the sun literally came up at six, seven in the morning. And these people stayed with me the entire time. So by the time I saw that they fed us and they made sure, you know, that everything we were good and that we had everything we needed and all the materials. And it was just so elaborate, this whole thing. And so once I had that experience, like I had no problem paying the amount of money I paid for that ceremony. And I almost feel like it, it probably should have cost more because of the amount of energy and time and dedication that went into even hosting the ceremony and the initiation. So unless you have that experience, there's no real appreciation or connection to what even it costs or, you know, what is needed to even put something like that on. Um, so again, you know, I bring that up because on one hand, ceremonies need to be reasonable and you want to make sure that, you know, you're not dealing with someone who's just, you know, lining their pockets and that's how they make their living. Because most likely if you have a priest or priestess that makes a living off of their, off of ceremony, you're not ever going to really see a fair price when it comes to that, because they're motivated by, by, by their money making money and their livelihood and surviving. On the other hand, if you're dealing with someone legitimate and they provide you with the fair cost, you just pay it, you know? And the last thing I want to address is something that I stated on my IG video, which is the importance of practicing the ATR that's closely linked to your lineage or directly linked to your lineage. And the, and then somebody came down in the comments and they said, they asked, like, how do you know, you know, what, what's, what's your bloodline? Like what practice is connected to your bloodline? And I love that question. So I'm going to end with addressing that because it's also important. And this also has to go, this has a lot to do with this trend, you know, of, of, of the ATRs that that's happening. So, First of all, to answer the question, your ancestors are going to be the ones to tell you what is what's your lineage and what's not because it's your ancestors. So you know, all of the ATRs stress the importance of ancestor reverence, ancestor practice, connecting with your ancestors. That's the first step that they tell you. You know, they tell you before you get initiated or you receive any type of anything to start working with your ancestors um, and also start working with your re. And I just want to reiterate that you don't need to be initiated to, to, to work with your read. You don't need to be initiated to work with your ancestors. That's something you could just start off doing at any point on your practice. But once you start working with your ancestors, they're the, they're the gatekeepers, right? So the hierarchy of, of, of the ATRs is, tip, is the general hierarchy is God, your ancestors, and then the, your, the, the, the deities. So 
your ancestors are the gatekeepers. And these deities, these Arishas and Lua and these spirits, they can't even approach you without the permission of your ancestors. So if your ancestors don't feel like you're ready, they're not going to even let you see anything that has to do with the ATR. If they do feel like you're ready, they're not going to open the door for spirits to come to you that are not directly related to you or not, you're not connected to. Okay. And so this is really important because since there's this whole trend, you know, of of these ATRs, there's people that are running to initiate into practices that that have got nothing to do with their bloodline. And then it creates a lot of issues later. Okay. And I'm actually going to break it down. Um, into a little bit in depth as to like what that really means, like why it is like important to really, to really just know what your bloodline is and connect to, to, to that, to that lineage. All right. So I want to talk about my own experience. Um, and cause you know, some people ask why Lukumi, right? Why Santeria? And the reason why is because simply it resonated with me. Um, now I'm going to preface this by saying no shade to any Ifa people or people in Ifa. It's a beautiful practice. And, you know, there's a lot of beautiful people in that, uh, in that religion, but it was never, whenever I would go to some of the Ifa temples and some of the Ifa ceremonies, it just never called to me. And when I finally, you know, decided to initiate into, into Lukumi, it definitely felt right. You know, I wouldn't have done it otherwise. But what I've experienced since then is, you know, when I speak with, um, you know, African-Americans who are uh, EFI practitioners and even, you know, Africans that are EFI practitioners, there's a certain type of, um, I don't want to say disdain, but a certain type of um, dismissal of Lukumi as, uh, you know, not African. And I've even had some Ifa people tell me, you know, that I need to just initiate an Ifa because it's pure and, you know, it's that's what, you know, that's 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 the real deal. Right. Like that's that's the real deal. And I'm just like, OK, that's great. But that's still not something that calls to me, nor have my ancestors even opened any doors for me to even pursue anything in Ifa. Right. Here's the reason why that's, you know, that's important and why I'm like emphasizing that. My ancestors are mostly from the South, you know, and they are also mostly from the, the, the West Indies, West Indian. Okay. Um, and the reason why I stress that is because real talk, you know, Ifa or really any type of Orisha based practice was the last practice to come to the diaspora. Okay. So by the time Ifa or Orisha worship came, there had already been other, other practices here because the, the Yoruba people were the last slaves to be brought over. So the first wave of slaves were from Central Africa, the Congo. And that's where you get the, and that's where you get the roots of Palo. Um, and then the other wave of, of slaves that came were from, you know, West Africa, which was, um, you know, Benin, which is where Voodoo comes out of. So you already had those established in the diaspora before Yoruba, even the Yorubans even came, the Yoruba people came. So I'm not going to get into this whole history lesson, but I say that to say that 
my particular lineage um, and my particular ancestry are rooted in the diaspora. I have yet to have um, any spirits that have come to me that are um, from Yoruba (laughs) or from those parts of Africa, you know? And so, you know, when we, and this is the reason why it's important not to get caught up in trends, especially when it comes to spiritual practices and when it comes to religions, you know, so I see people who are running to to Ifa when they really should be looking at Lukumi. I see people who are looking at Orisha worship when they 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 need to be looking at Vudun. Of course, I don't say these things to them because I'm not a priestess that could give a, a reading to be able to prescribe that, but I can see it with my seer eyes. I see it and I feel it. You know, or people wonder why when they get initiated into a certain tradition, everything goes to shit. And it's because, well, you weren't supposed to have been in that to begin with. That is not in alignment with your ancestry. It's the same reason why people who are are in hoodoo have issues with white people practicing hoodoo because hoodoo is specifically a southern slave magical system that's rooted in in the southern African-American people. And so that's not a lineage that is connected to. Europeans. And just period, point blank, it's that same thing, that same energy. This is the reason why, you know, Native Americans feel a way about other people appropriating their their medicine wheels and their sage, because that is, those are practices that are rooted in their lineage. You know, now it only applies if you got others, you know, who are not like full-blooded Native American, but who have some type of Native American ancestry somewhere. You know, and then so that at that point it's acceptable. You know, I mean, you got white folks who can do hoodoo because they got they they ain't really white folks if you get my meaning. So, you know, again, this is where it goes back to the, the podcast, my very first podcast about your ancestry and the you know how your ancestor reverence is your 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 starting point for this. This is the reason why, because when you dive deeper into your spiritual practice and you find out you need to get initiated, you need to understand, you know, where you need to get initiated and from what lineage and what to what practice, because a lot of people are getting initiated into into practices with spirits that aren't even speaking to them because their spirits, their ancestors won't let those spirits through because those spirits ain't got nothing to do with their lineage. So. To answer, again, the brother's question about how do you know what's in your bloodline? Your ancestors. It always goes back to your ancestors. So I believe that's all that I am wanting to say in regards to this topic. I think I pretty much said a mouthful. Um, But I I hope that, you know, for those of you thinking about initiation or on that path, that this was uh, helpful to you, that I provided some insights to you. I definitely hope that you are just a lot more clear when it comes to initiation and how to go about it, what to look for. Now, you know, I am very much an adamant advocate of being a part of a spiritual community at this point, because at this stage of the game, with this mass awakening that is happening across the collective conscious 
none of us can afford to be lone wolves. I say this all the time. None of us can afford to be by ourselves out here because it's real. And you you want to have that community, that's that safety, that, you know, that those people that'll assist you, that'll have your back, that'll teach you, <laughs> that'll check you, you know, if you're wilding out, you know, because a lot of us, we go through those periods where we just be wilding out in these streets. So, you, you know, it's good to have that, um, you know, that, that, that accountability and that connection. So if you are listening to this and you need connections, you're looking for an elder or you were looking for a spiritual house. I have several connections with different traditions, different elders that I can vouch for that I've worked with, um, that I know that are legitimate they have license to do what they do. So reach out to me, give me an issue, me an email, let me know what's going on, what you need, and I will connect you with the right people. In the meantime, I hope that this podcast episode helped um, and that it just, you know, provided clarity and uh, the necessary transparency that's needed for this topic as much as there can be as much transparency as there can be considering, you know, that the topic of initiation is secret and sacred. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. Any specific questions, reach out to me, therapeuticvibrations at gmail.com. Hit the website, bethevibe.com. I have a contact form there. Um, Of course, you can always hit me up on Instagram and Facebook, Chrysalis Sun. And in the meantime, I hope that you are blessed and uh, prosperous. Until next time, peace.